Welcome to this week's podcast by Celebration Church Rarotonga. We believe this message will empower and equip you to live a life of breakthrough. Thanks for joining us. Did you know that fatherlessness, if you Google fatherlessness, and maybe you have, honestly, it comes up, it's compelling the impact it's having on a generation of children today in a fatherless generation. And the statistics are mind-blowing. The crime rate's up. Uh, it's right across the board. Mental illness, anxieties, all sorts of stuff, relationships, uh, just brokenness, the sexual crimes, if you like, is way up like never before in the history of humanity because it's like this. If you want to know what the devil cares about, when I say the word care, I'm not talking in terms of affection, what he's interested in. If you want to know what the devil is interested in, look at what he's destroying. And he's destroying families. And one of the things he wants to do is destroy fathers, rob from us as dads, rob our manhood or our fatherhood, and rob our esteem. So he sets us up. And there's good news in this. God is redemptive. My goodness, I've seen families stitched up that were, it's like, is it even possible that this family could come together and be unified and have forgiveness. Is it even possible? Well, the answer is with Jesus, absolutely. When we allow him in and he steps in, it's amazing what he can and is willing to do. It is incredible. And so the exciting thing is Jesus is alive and well, and he's interested in dads, and he's certainly interested in kids as well. Okay, so in 1 John 3, 1, it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. Uh, in Luke 11, it says, Our Father, we share Him, our Father, which is in heaven or art in heaven. Now, you might have had a dad. Everybody in this house has had a father. That, that's, that's, that we, we, that's truth, okay? Everybody has had a dad. Now, what your dad was like, is different, perhaps from the next door neighbor, it may be different. Most of us uh, may not have had particularly great experiences with our dads or otherwise, but I want you to know that the father of God, it was his idea to create dad and mum. Now, I want you to capture this because this is an important idea for us to understand. It goes like this. God created male and female. In his image, he created them male and female, okay? So he created dad and mum. Dad or father or, or male would get together with female and they would have a child. The father and the mother together represent God. Okay, so they represent God. So when a dad and mum gets together, the idea is they are supposed to be united in spirit, united in heart, and have a harmonious marriage, and out of that they build whole, secure children. So the father and the mother together actually represent God the Father, okay, represent God the Father, and out of that expression, that out of that expression, the children will begin to grow up in that confine or that context, and they grow up whole. When you grow up whole, you begin to make good decisions, which create great outcomes. Now, I'm going to speak into this candidly, and I'm going to talk about how Jesus makes the difference, okay? Because many of God's great men and women of God today 
and yesteryear were brought up by one parent. So God is redemptive. He becomes the father to the fatherless. Isn't that amazing? And uh, you could be having dad and mum and be not under a blessing because of the issues of your own heart, yet you could be under a single parent scenario and the blessing of God can rain upon you. So God holds no prejudice in him, okay, in him. So that's a key, but we're going to have to get there in just, just a quick moment or so. Uh, the other thing to consider is this, is in Malachi 4, 5, and 6, God sees that fatherlessness in the end time generation, he calls it out as a curse. It's not a blessing. So what you're seeing around the nations of the earth, particularly the Western world, where dads have decided just to leave homes and mums have decided to quit as well and leave kids stranded like that, and, uh, or dads decided to get somebody pregnant and they take no responsibility at all. And might I say this, this is not a condemnation on dads, but if a father's in one island and has a child, you ready for this, and has a child to a woman, I will call this out. They are basic, and do not father that child. They have stumbled that child. And the Bible speaks candidly and very clearly about stumbling children. So in other words, the Bible says if you stumble a child, it's better that a millstone is tied around your neck and you're thrown into the sea. So when we decided to have kids, and it's just like I got this girl pregnant and shunning it and walking away like that, there is actually a curse on the man. I mean, this is Bible stuff, guys. And so, but this, we, we live like this in our communities worldwide in the Western world where men aren't fronting up and taking responsibility. And I'd like to say some women aren't either. It goes both ways. The thing is, fathers are God's idea. A, the power of a dad and a father in a child's life is unmatched. Every father should remember one day his son and his daughter will follow their example. Frederick Douglass said, it's easier to build strong children than repair broken men. Dads, I want us to understand this. I've written here that our family is our first frontier. Now, our relationship with God is paramount, but our first ministry is into the home. It's not into the marketplace. If you put career over children, you're making a big mistake. It's family first. The, the, the career has to sit underneath the value of the family. That's how God is structured. God will always bless you, no matter what you put your hand to, because you belong to him. But he's given you your family to look after. But with our insecurities or with our pursuits and our aspirations and our seeking recognition and significance and so forth, I want us to remember this one thing. There are little feet running behind us, always. And that's our priority. Amen? Very, very important. I know you know this, but we're going to go somewhere in a minute with this. Um, Gary Smalley, I remember listening to this many years ago as an evangelist, but I kind of think he might have been a psychologist as well, actually. Uh, a pastor, a psychologist, but he said this, in one of the um, uh, prisons in America, they decided to have a Mother's Day, and uh, Mother's Day, and they decided, well, we'll give cards to all the mothers, uh, all, the, all the guys, sorry, in prison, and they were blown out, it was 90% of the men in the entire prison went up, and they said, hey, yes, we'll fill them out, so they filled them out, and their cards, they were sent off and stamped and so forth, that was great, when it came down to Father's Day, we thought we'll do the same thing. 
There was only about 5 to 7% of uh, inmates decided that they want to write cards to their fathers. Oh, that's really interesting. Because let me tell you this, there is a blessing. You ready for this? There's something about the father in the home or us, even if we don't have a dad, us honoring. Maybe our dad's passed away, but us still respecting and us still honoring the father that brings current day blessing. So, for example, you say, well, I was never had the opportunity to really, uh, my dad died, for example, and we were at loggerheads and arguing, we didn't talk to each other. Let me say this, there's still a blessing potentially that can come around your life if you get on your knees and say, God, I forgive my father, forgive me for my dishonor towards my father, but today I welcome my dad into my life in terms of that, and I begin to forgive my father, and I honor him. A blessing will catch you up. Things are triggered. In other words, what I'd like to say, families, there's structures that God has built that makes our world work. You break the foundation of those structures and mayhem. It's a reaping and a sowing uh, principle. That's why it's very, very important that we honor uh, fathers and so forth. This is Dad's Day. Wait till Mother's Day. Fathers, uh, some words for us. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to the point of resentment with demands. We can put demands on kids that aren't kingdom. We treat them like slaves just because they're in our care. They have to do. Uh, that you're uh, with demands that are trivial and unreasonable or humiliating or abusive. In other words, the tone of our voice must be one of Jesus to our children. Jesus is the best father. Do you remember the situation where the kids came up to Jesus? I can imagine it. Jesus would be like a magnet. The kids come running up to him, and the, the ministry guys, the disciples who are interested in the crusades, are, hey, get off. And Jesus said, oh, da, 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 da. don't do that. In fact, the angels of the Lord face the Father. Their angels face the Father. Bring the children here. Children are high value. They're not a toss away. Even if you've got a child out of wedlock, put it right with Christ. But man, that child is gold. That child is highly valued. And that's why we're supporting these kids. But I think it's the demand internationally, it's overwhelming. But children matter to God. Families matter to God. Fathers matter to God. Marriages between a man and a woman matter to God. Nor by showing favoritism. This girl's pretty. This one's educated. Oh, this is our other daughter. That is not the Spirit of God. Please. Some of us have grown up like that. We've been the recipients compared to, nor by showing favoritism or indifference to any of them, but bring them up. Now, how about this? Tenderly with love and kindness and in the discipline. In other words, we don't allow them to be spoiled because that destroys their life and in the instruction of the Lord. Now, I have noticed us traveling around a little bit, a little bit, but looking and observing, I look at men and I think we've got an international issue from my experience, 
So I've decided I would do a research and have a look to see how broad this is. But I notice, I believe there's a target on fathers. There's a target on men. A lot of men have been bashed around in life. So when they get back up on the horse, they're half the man. And that's why, ladies, we must honor our husbands. Don't be embarrassed of your husband. When you go out socializing and he says something that's like shocks everybody, don't grab him under the table with your, with your hand on his knee and say, shh. I, I've had men talk to me. Their wives have been there and their faces go completely red. And then they, I've had like this, pretty when they look down. <laughs> no, own it, man. Own it. Be, he's your man. He represents you. Sink together. And it's the same with men. It's like we get embarrassed of our wives and they're at a dining table or a social setting and she says something, maybe business colleagues, and she says something left field and random and I've seen men cut across them, just redirect them. Hey, did you hear? Hey, that's what I was going to say about. Did you hear about the rugby? And it's just like, then he looks at her, shut up. You know. Own it. And I'm going to say, own our kids. When they're doing somersaults off the couches and rather than they're doing embarrassing things or saying embarrassing things, own it. You know, we only get them for a short time. We don't have to be shamed about them or it highlights our insecurities or our performance. They're not, they're not behaving that well. Just give them a bit of a break. I don't think they should be lawless around the house. I'm not suggesting that. Please. I don't think they should be dishonoring either. But love them, embrace them, and don't be shamed about them. Love them. Welcome them into our heart. When a kid comes into room, it's not like eggshells. We're going to get about the eggshells in just one moment. But it's like this creeping around dad. No, it's like, hey, have you ever heard someone say, hey, I want to see you in my office in 10 minutes? It's just like, <laughs> how do we get that? Did that happen from school or something? want to see you, and then a company, want to see you in 10 minutes down my office, walks in, get in there, you're freaking out, and saying he wants to see me. Well, just go in confident, go strong, and, you know, just, just own it, mate. Own what? I've done nothing wrong. Well, just own anything. Just own up to anything, and just, just be yourself. That's the answer. You've got to be yourself, and you're there, and he says, wow, thank you for coming in. I've got a promotion for you. That'd be good, eh? But there's something within us. If dad's not like that, we honor him, and like with Moses and Joshua, there's that side of God where, hey, take your shoes off. Just in, in other words, understand who you're dealing with. There's a holiness aspect of me. So you don't come in like, hey, man, dude, God, you don't want to be part of that throne. No, no, we don't talk like that, but we'd never say that. But sometimes our attitude of irreverence is like that. So we reverence our fathers. Well, I think we should revere them. We should respect and honor them. That's where the blessing is. The blessing is in the honor. See, the blessing is always in a principle. And these are principles that God has set out in his word that work for us. Imagine if we had a generation of New Zealand kids, Australian kids, Cook Island kids, that totally and honored our parents regardless of what they did or didn't do. It would change things around dramatically. It really would. Just thought I'd add that. But look, I've seen this like emotionally, uh, emotionally shut down men globally. Got the life sucked out of us. Is that sin being committed? Is it things that were said about us, things that happened to us? But God wants to set, I believe, husbands free. Because what we do, we begin to, we begin to pass and impart that on to our children. And it's more than, please, dads, it's more than just providing. I'm a good father. I know you are. I don't 
debate that. But embrace them, tell them you love them, hug them, spend time with them. You, some of you are great with turning up to their games and so forth and what they do. Uh, you know, just, just be with them, spend time with them. Bring them, welcome them into your life, our life. Come on, let's talk about life. Hey, let's talk about the, the sexual side of stuff that's going on at school. And tell them, and tell them you did a great job. Man, I'm jumping the gun. That's, I think, my next point, but I will, he will get there. For many of us, however, some of the greatest pain in our life comes from our relationship with our dad. Sociologists have tracked this for years. Van Bergsten demonstrates that the single most important factor in whether a child adopts the Christian faith of the parents is the quality of that child's relationship to their own father. So in other words, if we're off squared with our dads, our dads were no good, then there's a high chance we'll never ever follow the God that he served. I've seen that, that's for sure. Eric Metaxas pointed out that almost all the famous atheists capture this. The famous atheists worldwide, Freud, got their names, Nisha, Sartara, Hume, Bourbon Russell, Madeleine Murray O'Hari had one thing in common. Our top international vocal atheists had one thing in common. Number one, an absence of a father. Can you believe that? Now, that makes sense because this is they, don't, they all of a sudden denying God, the existence of God. I'm agnostic or I'm an atheist. I don't believe in the existence of God because they had a dysfunctional absentee relationship with their father. Can you see that? Or they had a traumatic relationship with their dad. I find that really interesting. They're pointing it out. They're seeing a pattern. Sigmund Freud noticed, and he quoted this, nothing is more common than for a young person to lose faith in God when he loses respect for his father. Interesting. Mm. But in John 1, 12, it says this, yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. In John 14, verses 18, there's the famous scripture that, where Jesus says, I will never leave you abandoned. Okay, so I want you to know this now, that Jesus is the greatest father that's ever existed. God is. God is our father. So we have two dads. We have our biological father that with mum they gave birth, and he's me, you. That's your dad. Your dad may be dead. Your dad may have taken off. Right now, let me explain this, there's healing, miracle healing in that. Some of our best ministries today have been healed up, and they have a testimony to our fatherless generation because dad wasn't home. Okay? And then we have a loving father that God can heal our heart and deliver our heart from all of this so that we understand that God is. Okay? Because, because some of us haven't received God's uh, affection from our dads, dad never said he loved us, he was proud of us, or anything like that, or perhaps wasn't there and too busy and, and so forth, maybe a good provider or whatever, then what happens? We now project that on God the Father. Do you, do you understand that principle? 
In other words, I, 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 uh, I know this, that you see, my father was a provider. My natural dad, Donald Cargill, was a tremendous provider. Very generous. I think he had the gift of giving. He's very, very generous. So I have no problem believing God for stuff. I have no problem believing God for things. But, I'm, but my grandparents, um, I was thinking this the other day when I was doing this, this thing. I've, I was, my grandparents were dead on both sides, the four of them, before I was born. They weren't around. And so I've never had older, older people around my life, but I see older people with kids. I'm a granddad today, and I, and I, I sort of think, wow, it's interesting how we interlock with them. But I thought, actually, that's actually never happened to me. The only uh, authority presence or first, first representation people in my life was my father and my mother. And then I began to think, well, how about people that were born and never had a father? It's just like sometimes we don't know any difference, but there's respect, and I say this respectfully, man, but sometimes there's a lack that God wants to step into our life, the loving father, and actually be father to us to say, hey, I was there when you played that game. Did you know that? When you played your heart out and, and, and dad wasn't there, did you know God looked at it? You scored that try and nobody actually saw it. You thought, that's the best thing I've done. Nobody actually really got to see it and sing my accolades. The father saw it. Because the Bible actually says so in Isaiah, he sings, he, he looks over us and actually sings over us. That's exciting. Uh, Romans 8.5, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry out, Abba, Father. So the spirit himself testifies that we're God's children. We cry out, Abba, Father. He's our daddy. He's our father. He's the loving man that was there. God is the representation for us. So let's look at some father styles. Can we do that? Are you with me? Okay. It's an important issue. Because I'm seeing people walk down my road that are drugged out here. And I think, I look at them and I said, where's your father? Where's your dad? Where is he? I often think, you know, where was dad? The prodigal son, perhaps, had a good dad, but jumped the fence because they're in the wrong crowd. Number one is this, and I want to help us here. No matter what you did, you felt your dad was never proud. And this is, I've heard girls say this here, and men say this here, men and young guys do the same, all right? So it's this, and this drives us into a thing called performance. He may have been a good provider, uh, certainly not abusive, but you never heard him say, I'm proud of you and I really love you. Now close your eyes, everybody. Just do, let's do a, a, a good exercise. How many of you struggle to remember your father, or even your mother that, but your father saying to you these words, I love you and I'm proud of you? Lift up your hands. Right. That makes sense. I'm proud of you or I love you. A father's approval, the need to have a dad's approval. 
Or maybe they turned up to a game and said, uh, hurry up, we've got to go now. But they were there to see the game rather than, hey, mate, you did awesome. That's good when the father does this. You see, let me explain this. Did you know there's a lot of shut down men? We're just shut down emotionally. And we're shut down because we never had a dad image get around our life. This is, this is not even talking about religious spirits now. We've never had a dad get around our life, give us a hug, tell him he loves us, and get into our world. And what it does, it actually shuts down a child's soul. And it drives us into a thing called performance. So we have to try and do things to get recognition. We do things to get that kind of affirmation. But it shouldn't be like that. When a dad says, I love you, son, or I love you, daughter, you are so beautiful, you are so pretty, that dress looks awesome. And when she gets 13 and 14 and the hips begin to appear and everything else, still say, don't get embarrassed, dads, and still say, look, you look absolutely amazing, you look absolutely beautiful. When the guy comes in and he's putting a bit of muscle on, hey, man, that's awesome, and that's good what you're doing, I, I support you, I'm with you, and it's just like, far out, you're doing so great, and I laughed at when you did this, you know, sing their praise and get with them, it empowers them, seriously, it empowers them, it inspires them, it lifts them up, thank you brother, it is good, indeed, when we don't get it, we have to prove ourselves, a lot of people today have to prove our worth, Ever been like that? You've got to prove yourself to a pastor or prove yourself to authority or prove yourself. You don't have to prove anything. I think you should take responsibility and have excellence about your job, but don't live with that thing, I've got to prove my worth in life. You don't have to live with that yoke around your life. Jesus has paid the price. He said, welcome. Come in. You're a son. You've got identity. You don't have to try and prove your worth in life. You've already been proven. You're in the kingdom. You're part of the king's glory. You're part of his household of faith. Your identity is in him. You don't have to find it on the street somewhere or find it in that crowd or that group or even that job. You don't have to do that. You've already been found. And that's the, the uh, story of the prodigal son. Now, how about this? Isaiah 49, 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child? This is about Israel, actually. And now, and not have compassion on the son of her womb. Surely they may forget, yet I will never forget you. The Lord will rejoice over you with gladness. He will delight over you with singing. Look, let me tell you, if a sparrow falls down to the ground, the Bible says, I know the sparrow. It doesn't escape God's eye. The little child, a, multi, a million miles away from here, the other side of the globe, that nobody notices the rejected and struggling to live and struggling to survive with the mother. Dad's gone and maybe got killed in a war somewhere and no educated, nothing like that, no education, nothing like that. God sees that child. That child is so critically important to him. Zephaniah 3.17. Sorry, let's go to this one. Uh, uh, in Psalms 139, even if I made my bed in hell, David's speaking, God wouldn't quit thinking about me. Well, that's a prophetic message right there. Even if we're in the darkest place in the world, God still gauges and God still looks. It's my son created in the image of God. So maybe you didn't get the words like that. How about this one? We talk about the eggshells. Just about there. 
an eggshell event, an eggshell environment. Have you ever felt like you're walking on eggshells with some people that kind of have that intimidating presence about them? And you have to, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that was right. Just like, calm down, relax. He's not going to kill you. You can be secure in who you are. God's got your back right now. Okay? But small things would upset dad. Small things upset dad. Maybe some drink, alcohol as well. And you, but you never, ever expect what he's going to do. He's like unpredictable dad. I know plenty of adults, really, that have grown up with our fathers that have been unpredictable in terms of how, whether they're going to be home or not, their emotions and so forth, whether they're going to spark up and get upset and get angry with mom or get angry with ourselves and so forth. And what it does, it puts, it puts you ready for this? This is how they believe. This is what they reckon. They reckon what it does, it actually puts the whole control freak element in us that we begin to condition and control our lives because we've learned to behave. We've learned that we have to be on eggshells. We've learned to be careful. And there's a conformity around our life that actually doesn't do well at all and actually can break out with areas of what they call as post-stress post and anxiety, trauma. But we learned because we lived in a condition where dad was like, on, so we become conformists. Yes, mum. Yes, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And it's like, and you transit, you get older. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You get older and you live that kind of life. And you, what you do then, you put performance on your children. Don't do this. Oh, don't do that. Hey, the, the, the neighbors are coming over. Just come on. And it's just like, rather than, hey, these are kids, dark kids, allow them to jump off the sofa. They're going to be fine. It's okay, you know what I mean? We're just the stress. But I know people like this. I could name who they are, but I know their backgrounds. And this, this, is, this is really interesting. But the Lord is merciful and he's gracious, slow to anger and bounding in steadfastness. Man, we can get so irritated. So the kids, we give it to our kids or give it to our wives. Because there's something within us as dads and something within us as fathers that we need affirmation in the secular world. We need it outside the home. Sometimes we get more hits and more runs and more, more accolades out in the house. We come home, do the dishes. <laughs> it's just like, okay. Uh, the secretary was just praising me <laughs> 20 minutes ago. Now it's just like you're dressed like this and now I'm having to put out the rubbish. No, no, no. It's a reality, folks. It's a reality. Go home. Take the long way home. <laughs> Adjust your thinking. Renounce. Jinkerbell. And her clutches. Go home. And fall in love with those dishes. <laughs> Be grateful for every, every hand that's ever put them in the dishwasher or scrubbed the dish. The kids. And doesn't matter how your woman is dressed, your wife is dressed, you're going to love her to bits because she chose you. She could have chosen somebody else. It's, is it a death sentence living with you? It shouldn't be. doesn't matter how she's dressed. You're going to love her. You're going to honor her. You're going to cherish her because one day she may not be here. It may be that you live 13 or 14 years after she dies. Why do you think men... When we die, uh, the ladies die, we want to marry quickly. Have you noticed that? Maybe not here. <laughs> I've noticed it a lot. 
30, 40 years of marriage and the wife dies a year, year and two months, married again, walking down, you know, because <laughs> they've got, they got a lot of money, they're walking down, you know, down the road, down the beach, you know, <laughs> with some, some lady, you know, it's just <laughs> half the age, but, it, but, it, but it's quite true. But what is it? We're trying to fill the void because we need our wives. It's not good for a man to be alone. We need our woman. Amen? Man. Doesn't matter how big they are. Doesn't matter how skinny they are. It makes no difference. That's my lady. Just moving on. The distracted dad. Ever found that? The dad's home, he's distracted. When was the last time your father got into your room and said, oh, great, well, how's it going? How was your day? What happened? Tell me about it. What, what, what happened? What, you, t- you learn anything today? What happened up that school there, man? And it's just like, oh, okay, that's good. Oh, mate, that's awesome. That's great. And so how was it with your kids and friends? Yeah, it was really bad. Hey, man, it's, you know, because our kids just say, not bad. Okay, just like, come on, there's more to you than that. Snap out of it, son. Tell me about your day. Come on and get it out of them. Get, get into the world. Seriously, get into their world. Did you know this? Your uh, fathers, our children need us, adolescents, but when they hit that 12, 13, 14, 15, my goodness, they need us. Because that's when often their loyalty shifts from their parents to their peers. So we've got to be in there. And if they're closed off from us on social media, everything else, we've lost the battle, but it's a battle we can win. Get in there. Get in there. Turn the power off. Get in there. Oh, I don't know how that happened at all. We've got ourselves a free night, guys. We'll play chess. I don't want to play chess. You will play. No, no, no but, but, but get in their lives. How is it? What's going on in your world? Get in there. Same with our daughters. Sometimes the daughters have a big world. Have you noticed that? Some guys don't, guys don't understand this. Oh, yeah, I mean, he rejected me. No big deal, but they just don't actually comprehend it. But girls, it's like, oh. She never spoke to me. Have you noticed that? It's like a big deal. How about this? This guy here, I won't name his name, but he's a professional football player and baseball player. So he actually played both sports in America. Some of you know this guy. At the highest level, some refer to him as the best, best athlete of all time in America. A professional football and baseball player who some argue was the greatest athlete ever to live. He says about his father, my father has never seen me play a football game in my life. He's never seen me play a baseball game in my life. Can you imagine? Here I am, so-and-so, one of the so-called premier athletes in America, and I'm sitting in the locker room and envying every one of my teammates whose dad would come in and talk, have a drink, and with them, after the game, I never, ever experienced that. This is a growing man. He's a multi-millionaire, known right through America, and still he's harping on about this. Isn't that interesting? That shows, it's telling. There isn't much that that he could have done to excel more in athletics, yet at the very top of his game, he still felt the wound of an emotionally absent father. Mm. 
They say that children who grow up in an environment like that, and I'm not talking about our bereavement kids, I'm talking about dads that should be there because they're within our reach. If our dad is gone, they're not within our reach. Jesus is. But if our dads are here and they're not within our reach, sorry, if a dad is here, they're within our reach and they don't reach out to us, there's an ingrowing spirit of rejection that comes in because they're there. What's wrong with me? Why doesn't he come around? Why did he leave mum? Kids are looking out windows. I know these stories. I know these terrible, sad, sad stories of a little boy. His dad left the mum. They had arguments and that. And so the boy used to look out the window. When's dad coming around? Little eight-year-old child. It's very, you know, for us, I've got kids or grandkids. It's like, man. But what happens is this, because dad never imparted feelings into us and we haven't reconciled with God. We don't have feelings. So we shut ourselves down. So we get married, we have a girlfriend and get married, and then what we do, we don't have those feelings towards our kids. We don't have emotions, so it's difficult for us to say, I love you. Look at me, son, I love you dearly. Because we're not in touch with ourselves. We've been told to shut up. We've been pressed down. We've had been rejected like this. So out of the wellspring of what we've received is the wellspring of what we give. You know, we're living in one of the most shut down generations ever where men are completely shut. They're not in touch with themselves. No feelings, numb on the inside because of this disconnect here and because of a dad disconnect. Why else did God create fathers? Was it just to put money on the table and to have more kids that you can play cricket with after, after school? No, no, it was dads are supposed to be intimately involved because that's where we get our identity from. When a father says, that's awesome, I'm with you. Hey, you, you, you just tell me, did you just say that you're having problems with your teacher at school? Do you want me to come down? Yeah, but you don't have to say it like that. But you say, would you like me to come down? Oh, no, 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 dad, it's fine. Okay, but just to know that if you need me, I'll come out of any meeting, doesn't matter who I'm with, and I'll be at the school, okay? It's just like, oh, yeah, cool, dad. Exodus 34, 6 and 7. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, this is talking about him, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting and go forth. But let me tell you this, you know what tenderness means? This is, this is the heart of God, he's merciful, which means he's tender-hearted, he's compassionate. He's sensitive to pain and desiring earnestly to help us. So when you're going through a bad deal and didn't get that job, you know the father's there for you? Well, you know you're confusing and want to get married and who, who, who's the assortment of guys around? God is there for you. Do you know when, when, when something happens and you, so there's a bereavement in your life, someone really special is going to die, God is there for you? When there's contention in the home and dad and mama arguing with all the stuff that's going down, did you know that Father God is there? He's just a breath and a reach away for all of us. And he's so consuming. He's so loving. He's so interwoven. He's so, he will empower you to strengthen you going to high school, going to college, wherever you are in the world, he is there. Talks about welcoming, gracious part of God. He's welcoming, he's full of kindness, he's forgiving. Not always trying to punish us. God doesn't yell at you, doesn't clobber you, doesn't neglect you like that. 
abounding in goodness and truth. He's a, he's a plentiful and abundant and goodness and truth. He keeps mercy. He's compassionate and his mercy is ongoing. Forgiving iniquity. And do you know what it is, is this? In our church, I believe we've got great dads. I've analyzed our fathers. I think there's strengths in our fathers that are incredible. Incredible strength. We're really lucky to have a fellowship of great dads, great fathers that are engaged with their kids, that turn up to, to events and sports games and, and sing their praise. They're involved with them. They're great providers. And, and some of them, are, some of you guys are in there telling your kids, I see you with your babies, you know, rocking the kids and that and loving them. I want to continue to do that. And it's awesome stuff. But for some of us, this is us today. It's Father's Day. We want to honor our dads. But for some of us, I'm not going to do an altar call here today, but for some of us, we might have had a dad experience that wasn't particularly great. I want you to know that God wants to step into your life this morning and bring healing. Unlock some stuff. Unlock some stuff. Unlock some hurt. Unlock some pain. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to subscribe and leave a review. We'd also love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Instagram or Facebook at Celebration Raro or visit our website celebration.atonga.com. Until next time.